Uh, we're live, so we're perfectly here. Everyone's here, there's audio, there's video. Hopefully Steve won't vanish like he did yesterday, which was great. <laughs> <laughs> and we're here joined by Darcy Oak. Darcy, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? We're doing good well. Well, so I guess we, we, are... we were just chatting for like 10 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were <laughs> for a while ago. So that's right. I, I knew how he was doing. It's the illusion. <laughs> but we always start the show asking like the same question to everybody, which is how did you get into magic, magic take over your life? I'm sure I'm sure you probably hear a variation of the same story for the every magician has a very similar one. Mine was like uh, my dad was playing around with a deck of cards one day. I was I think I was like eight and he asked me to pick one. He was just like he knows no magic. And so I picked one, looked at it, put it back in the deck, and he goes, watch, I'm going to find your card. And he mixes them up, and he closes his eyes, and he literally reaches in randomly, pulls one out, flips it over, and it's mine. And I lost my mind. Like, I was like eight, and I was like, how did you do that? I have no idea. And then I found out, like, he wouldn't tell me. He just tortured me. <laughs> and uh, I found out a month later it was a complete accident. It was a complete <laughs> yeah, It's crazy to think about. Like, if it didn't actually work out, what if I, like, got bit by the bug, you know? <laughs> it was yeah. pretty cool F fluke are very good i remember a couple of years ago i was performing for my dad just randomly and i was messing around and got did an annie carol annie number with no method i was just like just name a card name yeah. a number count to it and it, it is uh, and he was yeah. like, oh, that's really good and i was like running around the place being like what a <laughs> that's not well, possible, that's not possible. everyone why didn't you film it why didn't you film it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that every so often when that happens, I can never play it cool ever. I'm always, yeah. I always lose. I'm like, oh, I could have been so much suaver with that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Prepared to play it off as cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I had I had it happen before as well in the middle of a trick where it's meant to be magician goes magician goes wrong type trick, and it went right. I was like, oh, just turn over the top card. Is that you? And they're like, yeah. And I was like. The rest cool. of the trick is actually pretty good, but yeah, sure. Miracle, thanks so much. We had it actually, we had it happen there just recently. We had um, Taylor Drescher on from, from the States, and mm -hmm. uh, we were just doing the old hold up a card. What card are we thinking? And she was like, oh, guys, maybe we, we can do it now. We, we were talking about how the podcast came about, that we were doing that for hours, and we're like, this is too boring. We need to get better people on the podcast and everybody else. So, so we, uh, she picked up a card. And uh, and I was just I was like Dave is a mentalist he'll read your mind but I was like it's probably the four of clubs or something and she was like no way <laughs> yeah. it was perfect moments yeah there was one I was at a, I was at some party one time and uh, this guy had a pack of those like little cigars like that are about the size of a cigarette and I was like yeah here pass me one and he gives me one and I like, watch this and I I literally just chucked it as high in the air as I could and it went. Boom! And landed right in my mouth, which like I wouldn't be able to do if I practiced it a million times. And like this is one of my biggest regrets is that I just I was like ah, and then I just took off. I, like, oh, I could have just been like yeah, but I <laughs> yeah, definitely. It, it is that trying to stuff with the reaction, and then yeah. like so like the character because how you started and like for that your dad did or the carrot miracle because it wasn't a trick. Yeah. Uh, when did you decide to go into like the more the illusion stage and doves and all that sort of stuff? That was like that was sort of like always kind of what like really intrigued me. So watching like the old Siegfried and Roy specials, the Copperfield specials, and then I used to send away to the uh, the SAM video library, 
and they would mail you boxes of like VHS tapes, and I'd dub them over and then mail the VHS tapes back to the SAM library. And then on those were uh, a like bunch of different guys doing dubs. Like for and there were like videos of like the FISM contests from like '76 and stuff like that. So I was like yeah. rewinding those tapes over and over and over. And then I just like was fascinated by the by the bird guys. And so it was kind of like that combo. So I like I begged my parents when I was a kid to like get a dub, and they eventually let me get one. And I started working with that, and then kind of just added another one. And then before they knew it, I had like ten dubs in the house. They were like furious. <laughs> with like a farm. And uh, yeah, and then I then I was always like captivated by the illusions and stuff, and that's like, you know, as you guys know, it can be expensive and stuff. So I would do, you know, kids parties or whatever shows I could save up for a for a big trick, and then kind of and and kind of just sort of when I came to the illusions, like added them slowly, like one at a time, and and you know, I, I heard early on, I can't remember who said it, but it was like, if you're gonna try, if you're gonna do illusions, try to try to add one a year, because like. They're expensive. You gotta work them. It's not just like you get this thing and it's and it works. So it's yeah, yeah. We we had Ali Cook on. We had, we had Ali Cook on there recently, and uh, and he was saying that he was like, it starts with a small trick, and then you're like, I can go bigger. I can I even though I might not do illusions, I need to buy them all. I need to buy. I need yeah. to have the whole on. They need to be ready just in case, you know. Exactly. Drug that way that it becomes this thing that just becomes you have to go bigger. Yeah, totally. And then I think too, like after a while too, when you when you sort of have been in like the elute, like I find it beneficial to have it. it, it, it well, there's certain guys that like that knock it out of the park when they build stuff. But it, I find like especially if you're having something like unique or custom, it's like your idea that you're having created. It's almost better to like do it in bits and not like give one builder this this whole idea and then be like build this because then it never quite ends up being exactly what you need. Not that they built it wrong, but it's like. The more hands-on you can be with like learning the props in and out and the little things, it's like I always find that like if it breaks then you can fix it or if you can, you know, like there's nothing worse than when something goes wrong and you have no idea how to repair the whatever thing in the prop that's like, you know, those things always frighten me. It's like I want to know exactly what happens within it uh, if it goes, because, you know, stuff happens, it can go wrong and it will at some point, you know. Yeah, well, can go wrong, will go wrong for sure, and you can't just duct tape it, you know, no, for the best. <laughs> exactly. It's like a well, lot of magicians. Some uh, temporary fixes uh, quickly become permanent solutions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There are some magicians who do the whole thing of like, like, how did you do that? And like, I don't know. I don't know how any of this works. Yeah. I think that's very true with a lot of illusionists. They're just like, yeah. it just works. That's yeah. the way it was built. That's what yeah. it yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, that's definitely. I, I I do think it's good as well for people to think of the one at a time rather than thinking, oh, I want to get into illusions. I need an hour long show, so I need to like have two hundred and fifty grand. And, then well, I and that's the thing too. It's like the most expensive stuff is usually the least amount of time on stage. You know, it's yeah. like however much this thing cost. Like just because it was expensive, also doesn't mean that you're gonna get even five minutes out of it. So it's, that's kind of a weird conundrum to be like, well, yeah, it's cool, but it's like a minute and a half and it's X amount of dollars. I don't know. Like I, I've made some stupid purchases in my day. <laughs> Why would I have bought that? Like, but yeah. 
I used to love watching Copperfield with that. You know, the, the, the illusions were great and obviously he needed time to set up the next one and, and the you know stage and the else. But it was the tricks and the effects in between, like the vanishing egg and, and all those ones. Yeah. You know, they're, they're effects that cost, you know, little to nothing bar the big massive illusion that's about to happen. But you sometimes you get more reaction for a close-up piece of magic, uh, you know, as you know yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And that's like, that's usually ends up being the most time in the show. And I think also like what was so good about him, I think, is that it was such a perfect balance. It was It was like... There was enough of both, and there wasn't too much of either. You know, it wasn't like, oh, he's rambling on now. It was like everything was so, like, dialed in that, like, you were engaged by the, whether it's, like, a $5 thumb tip trick or whatever, which then leads into, like, a $100,000 illusion. They're both, like, equally as, like, captivating. Yeah, yeah definitely. That's really nice and also quite, like, soul-crushing. I mean, you're like... I've got this hundred thousand grand illusion that is just as good as a bill switch with a thumbtip. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so it's a weird thing. I always find it's like a hard thing to wrap my head around because they, they do both serve like a different purpose in the show, right? Which is like, so yeah, but it's hard not to think of it that way when you're like, oh, this thing was five dollars and this was whatever, and it's like, and they could, and then I ship this everywhere. No one cares. Like, why wouldn't I just, you know? But. I think we're all guilty of that, though. You know, you buy an effect, you bring it to a, to a performance, and then, you you know, you've worked it for a while, and then you bring it and you put it into the show or you put it into your close-up set or whatever, um, and then, you know, you, you do it, and then you think the reaction is going to be huge, but it might only be like a kind of a trickly kind of reaction from the from the audience because you haven't put it in the work that you have if it was normally your set. And then yeah. something that you do all the time gets a massive reaction because yeah. it's more it's more honed in, it's more you, it, and it doesn't feel as new. So it takes a while. Like if you were working on Illusion, how long are you working on one before it goes into the live act? Uh, it depends. Like it depends what it is and what like I guess sort of the method is and who it kind of relies on. So if it's like black art, then we can rehearse it, but it's never going to be until you're in the situation or whatever. Um, and the thing I always find with like any Illusion is like every single time it's like the difference between it feeling 100 percent ready in rehearsal and then the first time you do it on stage it's like you're never even remotely prepared for like the like you think you've checked every box but something happens all the time like oh i didn't think of that so you can and you never do until you have it on stage so there's like this weird threshold i find that like you just sort of have to submit at one point and be like okay we've rehearsed this as much as we can but we're gonna learn a shitload the first time we do it, it's not going to be, yeah. you know, but, and, and it's weird because like, there's been times where I've been like, no, we've literally checked off every box. What could possibly happen that we haven't prepared for? And then it's something like, oh, the caster jammed up or the whatever, you know what I mean? Like little things like that that you're like, have to be prepared for that you don't know until they happen. So it's different though for everything, but like if it's something that relies on like an assistant to pull off, um, you know, that usually depends on how long they're willing to work on it before we kind of do it. Because it's a lot of, like, if it's an assistant, too, it's a lot of, like, hey, get in here, and it's really uncomfortable for a while. <laughs> and, like, after a while, they don't really want, they're like, okay, yeah, I know, I get in here, and then I get, you know, so it's hard to kind of balance that. Because for yeah. us, we just do it for, like, all day, the whole day, until <laughs> they say, no, no, no more. So. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's easier to be the guy who's just like pointing at the box <laughs> rather yeah. than having. Like, I've tried to start doing things that like I actually like rely on me doing stuff. Like, I hate seeing an illusion where it's like that guy didn't do anything. The girl did it, and the lighting guy, and the whatever you know. 
was like, yeah. More so, like, yeah. Yeah. So we, we were said that um, we were talking to Dan Sperry there recently, and he was saying the same thing that, you know, you can work on your sleight of hand at a mirror or, you know, with your team or with close friends or whatever, and you can work on, but there's no way really to work an illusion. It has to happen live on stage. That's the only place you can really yeah. rehearse it. Yeah, exactly. And like, and you can get it as close to, or what you think is show ready in rehearsal. But yeah, it's like, once you have it out there, it's totally different. And when the audience is there, like you can't feel the, you know, like I've, I've, have you ever had it where like you've rehearsed something or you've, you're practicing something and then you're, you're literally performing it for the first time in front of somebody like, Oh, this is like the timing's off or it's like, feels weird. It's like clunky or whatever. And it's like, you can't learn that until it's in front of an audience. And like, yeah. I was working on a, on a, any card at any number and, uh, like the first like three times I did it on someone, I was like, okay, it's decent reactions. And then I started like messing with the pattern. It just like stopped really getting a pop at all. And I was like, wait, what, are, what happened here? What did I change? Why is it like, it's just little things like that that you don't know until you, you work a bit over and over really. Yeah. When you're putting like a new illusion into your show, do you try to always like put it somewhere in the middle where you know you've got stuff before and after it that you know like the back of your hand so that if it isn't as smooth as you'd like it's kind of like you know yeah. you have stuff sometimes it depends i don't know usually because sometimes it's like it's a specific thing because i always try to find like i never really like in shows where it's like five routines in a row that are audience participation or something mm -hmm. so it depends what the bit is so if it's sometimes it has to go in a certain place so it's not like Okay, give him a round of applause. Okay, now I need another volunteer. You know, it's that type of thing. But yeah, I try to sort of wedge like what I would think would be a material around it, just in case it's. But I also try to like introduce it in sort of steps too. Like instead of like introduce it in the middle of another routine or something. So if it just isn't doesn't go anywhere, you can just carry on. You know. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I think if it's like an illusion because you're like banking on that. You know. Yeah. I think when people think Britain's Got Talent and they think magicians, they really think of your act. And I mean, I've, I've asked kind of lay people and I was telling them that you'd be on the show this week and they were like, oh, the guy with the doves. So, I mean, it yeah. is very much, it's very much a kind of staple in people's mindset, you know. Um, that, did you know you were going to do that act when you went on the show or were you yeah. doing Sorry, I was going to um, Yeah, so I, what happened? So I did Le Plou Grand Cabaret Du Monde or whatever with mm -hmm. my bird act. Uh, and then that was just like on our YouTube channel. And then they saw it, they reached out and they were like, come do Britain's Got Talent. And I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. It was before like it, people were doing it a lot, right? So yeah. I was kind of like, I don't know. Like you might just like put like clown music underneath the act and I don't know. So I said no. And I was like, I, I don't want it. And then like a month later, the guy called me again and he was like, and they had said nothing about like what material they wanted. They were just like, come do it, come do it. And I just assumed I was getting that like cattle call that they send out, you know? Mm -hmm. No, no. Um, then somebody else, I think it was like a higher up person or whatever, phoned me and was like, hey, like, if, to just be fully transparent, like, we really like your dove act. We think you should do your dove act on the show. And I was like, yeah. And I, from my perspective, like, I was working on the cruise ships at the time. So I was like, I don't want to get like a, you know, if I go on there, they hit the X and then I can't work the ships. You know what I mean? Because I've been X'd off some show or whatever. So, like, she was like, the woman was like, listen, like, we're not like, She's like, I just from my experience on the show, if you do the bird act, like I think it will do well. She's like, obviously, I can't make any promises, but 
like over in the UK, we've never, we haven't really seen like a bird act like that before. And she's like, just my gut says it would go well for you. We're not trying to like trick you into like, you know, making you look bad. She's like, this is genuinely something we'd like and we think it would do well in the show. And I was like, all right, yes, okay, I'll do it then. So, and and the one thing I did say was I was like, can we not, like, I don't, can I not be like waiting in a line with like a kennel of birds and like, you know what I mean? Where it's like that thing, like, can I just come just do it? And she was like, let me see what I can do, whatever. And then I thought after that call, I was like, actually, you know what? I'm going to pin all of this on the fact that it's live animals. So I was like, I, you know, I need to know like exactly the time that I'm going to perform it. And you have to give me like 15 minutes. I got to prepare these birds. So I can't be like in a lot. Like, so I sort of played that, like to just try to not play. It's, it's intimidating. Like it, and I don't then the Xing off of people, like it shakes the building. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like this is intense. And uh, I think what really helped too was in that, like, I asked if, cause I, I had borrowed birds from someone in, uh, in London or in Manchester. So I brought the parakeets with me, uh, but I had borrowed doves cause that was a whole thing. And so I was like, can I possibly rehearse once in on the stage in the situation just cause these are someone else's doves and like, and the, the guy was like, yeah, we can make that happen. So he like, he's like, yeah, here, do you want to go rehearse your act? And I was like, for sure. And, and, uh, the runner guy had told me, he was like, oh, they're probably going to ask you if you want to rehearse for about 10 minutes. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to load. And if I have to unload, fine. But I just want to be ready. So the guy was like, hey, do you want to rehearse? And I was like, yes. And I was already loaded up. <laughs> so the, uh, the production staff had no idea I was ready to go. And so I started banging out this bird act while they're just like going through notes. And they were like, what is this that's happening? <laughs> they rehearsals and were like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And then I think I sort of got them on side and then it was like I think they were excited like stuff that they get excited about they want to see it do well like they're not you know so it was that like and I didn't realize what was happening at the time either I didn't realize this until like a year later when I looked back at all this and I was like oh yeah actually they would have seen the rehearsal because I remember them you know sort of like like, what the hell is this this guy just whipping out birds (laughs) like what and then uh them being excited about it and and then uh they let me, how did it work? I was like, I need like 10 or 15 minutes each time I'm going to do it, obviously. And then uh, they let me sort of like, they were like, if you want to go prepare now, you tell us when you're ready and we'll get you in front of the judges. So I was like, perfect. So there was like, no, it was cool. Like they were, they were so good about it. Like, yeah. yeah. I remember I was on, a, I was at, backstage at Ireland's Got Talent and it was like the open call audition day. And there was a guy there with a singing parrot. And he was there for like 10 hours waiting to audition. And every now and then he had to just like spray the parrot to keep it from overheating inside this big hall. And like it flew away a few times. He'd go chasing after it. It's like, just let him go through. He can go ahead of me. Like, that's like, yeah, exactly. But yeah, but that was really like, uh, like a like life changing for me. I had no idea. What to I was literally just like, I'm working on the ships. It's not really artistically satisfying. And I was like, well, maybe like BGT's got a big online following and viewership. I was like, sure, yeah, let's try it. And then it was like, oh my God, the fact that I said no to this for like a month, like, <laughs> like what was I thinking? Like, but yeah. It's one of those things I think we we've all we've all kind of gotten the call and stuff like that. I mean, I, I got the call one year. And they wanted to know the, exactly the act. They wanted to, you know, nearly, it was almost like Fula's. It was like, you have to tell us 
So yeah. we know how you, you, know, you did it. And I was a little bit taken. I'm, I'm primarily an escape artist, a magician and an escape artist. So this year I got a call from them and I talked to Dave about it. And we were talking and I said I'd only do it if they let me do something, you know, outside and the judges had to be outside with me and all that. Mm-hmm. And that uh, never got back to me. So I think, I think if you don't want to do it, I think if you circle around that kind of, well, I can only do it if it's a Thursday and, you know, but there is one thing that I wanted to do on the show. So maybe, maybe in the future I might do it then. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's definitely uh, like the platform is like, it is a massive viewership and it's what, what I think is really cool about it too, is it's like, I will personally, I feel like there's people that are, way better magicians than I am. You know what I mean? Like technical skill wise and stuff like that, that are like do stuff that I was like, man, I, I don't, I don't have the chops to pull that off or whatever. But it, what's nice about a show like that is that it sort of introduces, you know, the public to like the person kind of thing, which, which is what they want on that show. They want to, you know, here's, here's an ordinary person. You, they know your story and who does something that's hopefully extremely impressive. And it's sort of like a, it does like it promotes like you, the individual and like what their craft is kind of at the same time, which I think is, which is good. Yeah, yeah. I think the audience gets to know kind of a bit more who you are, more just 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 a performer. Yeah, exactly. So no, it's crazy. I mean, there's like however many like got there's a god talent in every country and the champions and the whole there's uh, it's a successful format for sure. What was the champions like compared to like the normal? Britain's got talent going back on the champions was a lot different. No, well, you know what's funny is I was like because of, because BGT was such a like life changing experience. I was like, oh nice, we can go back and sort of relive this kind of like that journey, but enjoy it this time because it's like you know. And then you get there and you're like, this is exactly the same. It's like you're stressed and anxiety ridden. It's like I can't enjoy this. There's so much pressure, but you do. <laughs> I mean, you, you obviously we fought, we we enjoy what we do, but. You know, I just told myself going back, I was like, oh, this is great. Because it's like, I know what it's like, so I can be, you know, mentally prepared. And then you get there and it's like, you, it's so difficult to mentally prepare for an environment like that, where you're just the most vulnerable position you could ever be as an artist. Like, here's my art. And then now, here, you four tell me what you think about it in front of everyone. It's like, ah, oh, you know. Yeah, that's true. And being America's, like the Champions of the, like the America's Got Talent compared to the Britain's Got Talent, did you find that that was, they work differently behind the scenes and stuff like that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's because for me, it all happened on, on the BGT side of things. So when I went to do AGT, I didn't have like the relationships with any of the like producers or runners. Like, like, so when I went back to do BGT, it was like everyone from the time I did it before. It was like so good to see everyone. And you're like, ah, oh, this is crazy. AGT, I felt a little bit more like sort of like lone wolf. I was like, oh, I didn't go through this platform, you know, but that was the first one to do the champions. So I don't think they knew if there was going to be a spinoff in other territories in the champions version. So at the time we were like, oh, well, this is going to be the champions version. Let's do it. And I, you know, so it was good. I mean, we got the video clip and whatever. And yeah, but I wasn't like, I was trying to work the UK market, right? So yeah, yeah. It was good for, for the promo and the and the outreach and everything. And was it around the same time then that you did that? You you borrowed your book. You would you had a book then after that, wasn't it? No, that was before. So the book was actually shortly after uh uh Briggs got talent. So I think the book came out okay. in sixteen it was. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. We actually got a question in beforehand, uh which was from Dan and when do you think it's a good idea to audition on a TV talent show? I guess like in the career 
because you've seen a lot of people where like before you went on a lot of amateur magicians were going on with not much mm. experience and then you were one of the first to actually get go all the way to the final and then now a lot more professional magicians are going on so when do you think is a good like point to go on i think i like so for me it, when i did bgt it was like because i was working the ships and i had those three like so the dubs was like the opening of my show i was doing the decolta chair in the middle and then i was closing with the jaws so i was like okay there's three rounds on bgt i don't want to go on here and like do something that's an idea that you don't know the nuances of that you don't know the the ebbs and flows and the beats of it it's like you gotta go on there with something that like you know cold and you know the beats you know when it hits you know you know i don't want to go on and be like here's an idea that i had i had this thing built and oh please work yeah. so <laughs> if it's three rounds i'll do the beginning middle and end of like the current show uh and i yeah. think you know i think that was like I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I'd like to say, like, oh, yeah, this is all, like, play. but, you know, at the time you get that call and they're, you're like, oh, what am I going to do? So it wasn't, it was, it was, it wasn't necessarily as methodically planned as I'm making it out to seem, but that's sort of how it ended up happening was, like, getting stressed, I think, about, like, trying to come up with ideas and, like, what are we going to do? And it's like, well, let's actually just take what we already have and, and build on that or do a version of that. So I think, like, the best time, like, I don't, like, Cause you see, you see people who can like go on there and they can get like a million views, but they don't have a show or they don't have anything to maybe sell. I think it's, I think you have to sort of cut your teeth and have the, the bones of it, you know, yeah. not the bit, but like, you know, if you, if you, if you come up with the world's greatest act and you go on there and you audition, it's like, great. You're through to the next one. And then you got nothing. It's like, ah, you know, I think you kind of have to have the basis of like, of almost, almost a show really. And then, take the best bits and audition with that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's important as well to take advantage of after us, you know, once the show's aired, like people's attention spans are short. Like if you're not doing shows around the area within a few months, will people yeah. remember. And, and so, uh, uh, shortly after BGT, um, I was like, had meetings and whatever, and it was pretty wild. And one guy told me from CAA, the agency, he told me, uh, he was like, it's like literally down to a mathematical equation or a science. He's like, any of the like biggest hitting acts from that season can work off of that for about two years. And then he's like, after two years, there's already been two more seasons. Someone else is to it. So you can basically milk your appearance for about two years. And he was like, you gotta, you gotta keep it going. You know what I mean? You can't, you can't hang your hat on, you know, the got talent thing for your whole career. It's like that. Everything's a stepping stone and you can get two solid. This is what he was saying. He was like, you can get two solid years of work from your appearance on the got talent thing or whatever. But after that, you gotta find the next thing. So, yeah. That's true. There's only so. There's only a small window for any kind of a TV appearance. Even if you're promoting a show or something, you know, you if you aren't on it straight away, you you yeah. get lost. And I think it's one of those things as well where if you're looking for publicity for the sake of publicity, you never get proper publicity. If you've got something to sell or you've got a a pitch, you, I think journalists and PR companies and things they they can see through that stuff where you yeah. just want an article for the sake of it, you know. And, and there's there's no story there. There's no meat to the to the story. Oh, that's exactly it. Yeah, it's not like. Yeah, you can't just be like, hey, I'll come on your show and do a trick. I'm like, well, what are you promoting? Uh, myself? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have to have a show or a product or whatever. And that's the thing. I think a lot of people try to get on those, uh, you know, late night shows or talk shows or whatever. But if you don't have something to promote, you can, you, you have to have something to promote. 
And even if you didn't have something to promote, it's almost a wasted opportunity to go on and do it because it's like, well, you're not selling. Like, you might get a few extra followers, maybe, but it's, you know what I mean? It's not as the biggest thing, you know, to capitalize on it. You got to be there with, we're basically salesmen, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's an, actor. an actor doesn't go on a late show in the US when he doesn't have a movie coming out or exactly. a new TV show or something. They're not yeah. just like, yeah, just here because I said, yeah. come along. Yeah, just say hi. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. pop in and say hi. Nothing to promote. Yeah, just just hanging out. They're, they're, they're talking about promoting things, uh, Darcy. You've got a virtual show coming in. This is a nice segue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited about it. As, well, I, at first I was like, I don't know if you guys are the same way, but when everything sort of like kicked off, I was kind of like, I don't know, the virtual things. Like I, you know, I've always always been a live performer, or whatever. And I was like, I don't know. And then, you know, the more time that goes by, it's like, actually, you know what it is? There is something interesting about this dynamic because it is it is kind of like the way I'm trying to look at it is it's like sort of like watching a TV magic show that you're involved in. You know what I mean? I feel like I've watched a lot of Zoom shows that are just the guy on Zoom doing stuff. But I think like there's a there's a opportunity to do something that's like a little bit more kind of. Like, cause you know, I mean, with the way TV ma magic's gone for a while, people are skeptical and they're suspect. So if there's, I feel like it's kind of a way to maybe do a TV style magic show that people are in involved in and you can see them. Absolutely, yeah. I, mean, I, I was at the um, Pendulum Summit here in Ireland in January before all the madness, and Bear Grylls was there, and he was oh, talking yeah. about he was talking about all the way that he's got that show that you kind of decide where does he go left or does he go oh, right. Yeah, or, that, that's a cool kind of concept. Concept, yeah. you know, you could almost have like a I don't know, like could be like a magic menu type thing where you'd be like, should I do this effect or this, you know, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different, like, more. You can make it way more interactive because I think, I think what's kind of turning off um, professional magicians' vomit is because everyone's just thinking that it just has to be a small production, but it can be still a big production even though it's a Zoom show. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's like, it, and it lends itself too to like, we, us as magicians can explore different methods and different things that we otherwise might not be able to do, right? So we can also use this to our advantage to do some really cool stuff. And I, did, I wasn't really looking at it like that before. I was like, oh, I just have to do my show over Zoom. And then it's like, oh, wait. It's like, actually, if we, you know, they only see, like, right here, there's so much we can, you know. So it's it's cool. It's exciting. And it's, and it's neat. I mean, it, it, it's also rare that we get a chance to dive into a totally new, like, medium where either – you know, on stage or doing close-up or it's like an interview or a whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a handful of like platforms for us that like we perform across. And now it's like, here's a new one. It's kind of like, oh, this is, you know, exciting. Yeah, I think it's definitely something that everyone is going to kind of, kind of, I, I, like you said, like you're going to dip into it either in a, a podcast or, a, you know, you're going to interview piece where you can do like one piece or you can put together like a show. So is the show going to be more, like close-up magic in that sense, like parlor-style magic, or are you going to throw in some stage effects? Yeah, so that's that's the plan because, uh, like, well, the other thing, too, with what we were talking about before is, like, obviously an illusion show is, it's expensive to, to put on and put around. you got to get the gear there and there's crew, and it, it's not just, like, you can't just, like, rock up with five illusions yourself, and, and you know what I mean? It's, it's so... Shoving them in the door. <laughs> yeah, you know, and on that note, then you have to you have to charge a higher price because there's more expenses. So it just becomes that. So now it's like, actually, well, we why don't we do that? But it's not costing us anything to ship it anywhere because here I have a, a warehouse space uh, that's sort of set up like a studio rehearsal kind of thing where I keep my stuff and rehearse and everything. So it's like, well, we've got the show just sitting there. So why don't we 
combine it and do that type of thing. Like, so we'll do some bigger uh, illusion bits and then intersplice it with uh, the interactive stuff. And we're working on a, on a, on the close, the closer of it, which I'm like pretty excited. I think it's going to work out. We're still like, you know what I mean? It's one of those ones where it's like, oh, in theory, this should work. Yeah. But, <laughs> I love those in theory ones where you're like, yeah, exactly. sometimes you come up with one of those in theory ones and you go, I'll try it. And the person goes, well, that wasn't even a trick. You just did this. Like, didn't fool you. Thanks so much. Back yeah. to the show. <laughs> Thinking back to what Steve was saying about the way like they could do stuff like the Bear Grylls where it's magic with choices. My mm. immediate mind just went straight to like, okay, so you have four options, pick one, and they go, A, and like cool, A is eliminated. Pick another one. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you want to take out? <laughs> Chop companies. Yeah. Have you seen uh, have you seen uh, Bandersnatch on Netflix? No, I haven't seen oh. it. Oh, so it's like uh, you know Black Mirror, the TV show. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a special of Black Mirror, and it's a choose your own adventure. And it's oh, insane. Yes. It's so crazy. It's like the scene stops, and it's like, do you want him to do this or do this? And it's like, it's crazy. That's so and cool. I googled it after. Apparently, there's like a hundred different ways it can go or something. It's nuts. You should check it out. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. That would definitely be a cool way to bring it. When you're talking about like shipping illusions and stuff, uh, not having to do that with the show, do you find it difficult? Like, are all theaters able to set up to be able to bring your illusions on and off stage, or have there been times that like you've had trouble trying to get something on stage? That, that's the other thing too, and especially like I guess with uh, I guess where I'm at in my career as well is like in some towns it's like well we'll, we'll book the smaller theater or whatever, right? So and then but then when you're when you're sort of like booking the venues that way or like the show kind of has to be modular in the sense where it's like all right when we get to whatever it's like we're gonna have to scrap the whatever bit and whatever because it's not gonna fit in the and then you know the backstage space is another thing so it's like there's a lot of variables that come with the larger illusions and they do have like they're they still fascinate me but and like i love watching them but it's like it's a lot to or what inevitably ends up being a minute and a half two minutes you know <laughs> so yeah. I'm just like I'm so glad I do mentalism. Like a, a pad of paper can always fit on a stage, no matter where I have to go. Yeah, exactly. I had to bring five chairs with me for a chair test before, and that was a pain in the ass. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm envious. <laughs> but yeah, for people who want to like go to the virtual show that you're doing, uh, where can they get tickets and all that sort of stuff? Uh, if you go to my website, so darcyoak.com/virtual. And then, um, yeah. So I was saying, if it, can you are you can interact with people who are online now, or how what's how's that working for you guys? Yeah, there's a couple of people there at the moment, but yeah, we can. Uh... Oh, whatever. Yeah, no, I was just thinking if you wanted to give away a ticket on, uh, or you could do it later or whatever. Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can yeah, go we up can with something. If people watching, we'll give away a ticket to someone who's cool. uh, watching. We can we'll set a date. So if we say by Wednesday, because that's. A date. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if if you want to ask a question, and we'll have people write that in the comments, and then we'll pick out. Oh, whoever gets the answer gets the ticket. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> good. Um, ooh, should it be like a like a magic knowledge question? I think that could be fun. See, sure. <laughs> see how good uh, people are. <laughs> what I got? Hmm. Who? Okay. Who? Okay. All right. Here's here's an easy one. Who wrote? 
Well, I guess you could just Google these answers. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Google, they put in effort, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So who is the author of Technique and Understanding? Good question. I'll have to go Google it. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my shelf, so I was like, oh, okay. There you go. Well, at least if they're not a magician, at least we they know we know they can use Google. So that's you know that's <laughs> yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. That's most that's most that's most online magicians these days. All they can yeah. use is Google. <laughs> yeah. They should what, be able what, to sign in to the virtual show then, because you don't want any emails being like, I can't access the show. It's not working. Yeah. <laughs> can't get the camera on. What was um you know you I know magicians get this question kind of a lot but if you got like stopped obviously you've been on TV and people know you from from the from Britain's Got Talent and Mary's Got Talent so if you get stopped by someone and you're just running out to get something at the store or a cup of coffee or whatever what trick will you do or or do you do you always have something ready to go yeah so I have one uh, in my wallet which is basically as a variation on uh, multiple things on the uh, oh my god I'm drawing a blank uh, colossal killer. Oh, yeah. Okay. The variation on that, which is basically like, if they're like, do a trick, and most of the time I'll be like, ah, oh, not like, or whatever. Like, I try not to just immediately submit to their requests, you know? But <laughs> if, if I'm like, okay, I'll do one. It's usually, I'll just be like, here, think of a card, and I'll take out my wallet. And I'll be like, what card are you thinking of? And then show it. And that's it. It's so it's direct. It's like, it's like a 30 second thing where if they're like, if someone's like, do a trick, I'm like, can't think of a card. And it's like, boom, it's in my wallet. The end. Perfect. And then it's usually it's cool too because it usually leaves it where it's like conversation over. You know what I mean? It's like like if someone's like do a trick, do a trick, and they're like oh, okay, fine, boom, there you go, I'm out. Like yeah, yeah, they're reacting yeah. and you're doing the David Blaine, you're just walking away as quick as possible. Yeah, I mean like usually yeah, usually the people who are like pestering you to to do a trick are the ones you maybe don't want to be doing it. You know what I mean? It's like you yeah. can tell when someone really wants to see a trick. And then you can tell if someone's like, oh, you're a magician? Do a trick, do a trick, do a trick. You're like, ah, you know? But, <laughs> yeah. What about you? What's your go-to? Um, Usually, like, ring thing or something like that kind of yeah. quick. But I, I kind of play off the thing that, you know, I'm an escape artist. So do you have any chains or handcuffs or anything? No, you don't? Okay, cool, I'm off. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> I play around that. But, yeah, like, ring thing or, or like, a, a quick, you know, so, something quick maybe. Or even just a, a coin vanish or something. something yeah. Simple. yeah. But if you get... The store or anything, you know, you always have to have something. I always yeah. go with like a like either something like a witch hand with a ring or a coin or something, or like a five object equivocate. I find pretty easy to go to. Yeah. And now there's so many apps as well. I'm just like yeah. digital exactly. horse bag. There we go. Jump done. Yeah. Yeah. So I was I was uh I was doing inject for a while. That was one of my go-tos. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah. But uh there's been a few I've had a few few brutal failures with inject like <laughs> strictly because of you know well, it's tech and you know whatever yeah. like oh god but, there is no like, signal or wi-fi in what i found in pretty much every hotel ballroom or like drinks yeah. reception area you go oh, I'll, oh i have no signal anyway moving on exactly yeah i i was on after a, a mentalist years ago i won't mention his name because uh, it's not fair but um, but he put down a, a, a gimmick that he had set up in, in an iPad, and the MC had the same iPad, and they switched pads. So he was left there. He was left there on stage, just going, "You're thinking of a tree? You're not thinking of a tree. Okay, you're thinking of a flower. You're not thinking of a flower. Okay." And it was just a disaster. Oh, I heard uh, um, a story about it. Might, might have been a similar. Or I think it was, I can't remember the one 
whatever the gimmick is, but yeah, there were two magicians had the same one, and one of them was like, he told me he did this himself, and uh, he was doing some mind reading thing on this group of girls, and because they had the same gimmick, I guess he sunk his up with his or whatever, so when the girl was drawing something, he just drew like a big schwanz, right? So the guy's going to read these girls' minds like, so oh, you're like a bit naughty. This is like a little bit uh, a little bit naughty, but then she's like, uh, what? And he's like, so you're thinking of, uh, it's like the male genitalia. And she was like, uh, no, I drew a house. And he was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's amazing. Uh, I, I, I was doing before at a, um, like the college graduation party for the medicine, uh, degree in the college in Cork and I went to a drawing duplication and was like draw anything you want and immediately it was a penis and it was yeah. like a group of like female graduation doctors yeah. <laughs> it's, just like, it's good yeah. to see that the sense of humor is still there it's like the only thing they studied for the last five six years whatever <laughs> yeah, exactly they went yeah. straight to anatomy so, so you you jumped. Your career has kind of jumped around from like close up magic to like the the doves and the illusions and stuff. Do you still perform a lot of close up magic in in your set anyway? Uh, I, I do like in, uh, in in the stage show. Like, well, when it was a live theater show, so we had like the screen yeah. and the camera for a few bits and stuff. Uh, not for too too much, because like like I was saying before, like there's guys with close up chops that would just put me a shame. But I know I got my go tos and I have my. You know, I can, I can, if I, I, I can do a walk around gig for sure, but like, it's not a comfort zone. I don't necessarily like, I, I love the stage theater performance and like walk around stuff is, uh, has never really been my kind of like forte, if you will. Yeah. There was a, a, a cool thing with that actually, like about being able to tell like w what you can do close up. There's a video actually, I watched it the other day on Jubilee, it's on YouTube where they do a, a thing called odd man out, where they get like six people and one of them isn't what the rest of them are. So they, wow. they, they've done ones with like, uh, they're all people who claim to be psychic and one person isn't. And then there's, they have done ones where people play guitar, one person isn't, but they did one with magicians. So I was watching it, so there was uh, six people, one of them wasn't the magician. And the first round they were like, do a trick. And you watch it and you're like, that's not a magician. <laughs> like just straight away. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> Because like they, they go spread the cards and you're like, nope. Or, yeah, and then there was one guy who uh, immediately, he just uh, said, I'm really looking forward to this. It should be fun and true confetti in the air. And I was like, that's a magician. Because that's <laughs> magic sense of humor. It's like, yeah. just stands out in the crowd easily. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's crazy. Even when you try to like teach someone a trick or like someone who's not a magician, just like in how they handle cards and stuff, you can tell immediately. It's like... Yeah. You know, it's, just, it's just like the... Just the yeah, the handling of certain things is like well, we see it all differently, I guess, right? Than a normal yeah. person. Like, I, think ah! like, <laughs> I think we take for granted that we just know the foundations so well that it's just yeah. a second you know, if you hand someone a deck of cards, you know straight away if they start fumbling, you're like, Okay, we need to start just a shuffling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah, exactly. yeah. But what's up? I always every time I talk to other performers and uh, I always ask like what's what's your number one like not necessarily fail story, but like the most epic, like where it was like just a like a shit show of stuff happening or whatever. Like, what's your one story that like that at the time obviously would have like stung, but looking back on it years later is hilarious. 
Yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. we came up with the good, the bad, and the ugly to get people to come out with. And like we've had some classics. One of mine, yeah. just before we we we'll, uh, shame ourselves before we we'll ask you to shame yourself. Yeah. <laughs> with, uh, I had uh, a guy I told a story before for people who started stripping on stage when I asked him to come up and help, and then started getting down on the floor. Luckily, his friends like caught him before he he, he took off Ooh. a few layers at the top, and then yeah. we stopped. <laughs> Quizly whisked off stage, and that that was. It, it's hard to come back from that. <laughs> yeah. What What was one of your ones that you have? Uh, I mean, I got so many of like. There's been some <laughs> where like, not no, I shouldn't say not like all fail stories, but like there was I did uh, this was oh, this was like, in this is ridiculous. So you know the uh, the perfume shop. Yeah. In the UK? Like yeah. This, yeah, so there was their like corporate like awards night or whatever in Wembley in London, and this is like post BGT, maybe like a few weeks after kind of thing. The perfume shop is having this like awards thing or whatever, and I like I was had like at that point in my life, I had like no clue really what was going on. I was like, it was all happening so quick, and I was like, oh yeah, we're gonna do this like corporate awards show thing tonight, great. So we get there, and the uh, the woman comes up and she's like, do you know what this is? I was like. Corporate awards night, like, gonna be great. <laughs> She's like, no, 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 like, the audience, do you know anything about the audience? And I was like, well, not really, why fill me in? And she's like, it's uh, 600 women who have been drinking since, like, probably four hours ago. And I was like, this is gonna be a money show. Like, this show is gonna be a blast. I can't wait. So it's like, it's like tandem. The show is a blast. Like, it, they're, like, liquored, and it's, it's so much fun. Like, everyone's having a good time. We do the show. The woman is like the event planner. She's like, hey, if like they would love it if you stayed and hung out and had some drinks, open bar. And I was like, of course. Like, <laughs> so uh, we're hanging out and like everybody's having a riot. Like they were such a nice group of people. I got separated from like the show team. That was, everybody's just like having drinks, hanging out, like such a fun night. So I get in the elevator to go find the rest of the team. And uh, these three, like they were like, older than my mother right like and they were it was all in good fun they're joking they're like oh mr magic man like in the elevator right and i'm standing <laughs> there, like ha 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 like and, and the door's open and i'm trying to like be polite so i'm like looking back trying to be like, nice to meet you guys like i hope you have a nice night boom i walk clean into this concrete pillar like well i'm like thanks ladies but boom i walk right into it i cut my face open it starts bleeding all over the lobby of this hotel after I'd just done this show. And these women were like, what is going on here? My face is gushing blood in the lobby. And I like, didn't know what to do, so I just ran away. And I ran out into the, into the, like, into the outside of the hotel, and I called like the rest of the people. And I was like, you have to come. We need to go. This is terrible. And then <laughs> off. So I don't know what those ladies' uh, memories of me are, but... It's one of my most epic, like, oh, God, what was I doing? Walk clean into a wall. <laughs> there's, nothing being, there's nothing worse than being, like, master of illusion on stage, and then you come off stage, and you do a human normal thing, and you just look like a dumbass. Exactly, right? And then just bleeding everywhere. I was like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. We, we, we had Morgan Strepper on last night, and he said pretty much something similar. He was on stage, thousands of people there watching him in an arena, and just as he turned around, he slipped and just hit the ground, hit the deck. And oh, he was like, okay. just wanted the ground to open up and swallow him at that moment because there's no, you, you can't, re, you know, there's no return from that. 
I know I saw and this I was on next I won't say his name because he's a super nice guy and like my heart sank for him but he was doing his act and it was this manip act and uh audience is loving it like he is killing and he's going uh I can't remember what he's doing but he like he's taking his his applause at the end right and he, he finishes his act the audience is going I think they were probably about to stand up like it was going really well and he was like walking forward like oh, and he walked clean off the edge of the stage and it was one of those old theater for the orchestra pit is that so he uh -huh. was 12 feet and like he couldn't he couldn't just hop back up onto the stage he had to climb out of the orchestra pit and go back up the steps onto the stage and I was just like oh no I felt so bad for him, like so bad. But I mean, I would have just stayed down there. It's <laughs> been like funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, it happens. Yeah, play it off as a vanish or something. But like he just disappeared. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, exactly. What one of the other things that happened to me that I think is like it still haunts my nightmares was I got the nest of wallets trick, and I was like, oh, so excited for him to practice it over and over again. Went out. And borrowed a ring, and someone gave me an engagement ring with quite a large stone. And I was like, oh. "Okay." So I put it in, and trick went in. Ring vanished. Great. Open the nest of the wallets. Go to open the first wallet. The ring flies across under the table that they were sitting at, and I had to get down on my knees and crawl underneath the table to retrieve the ring and be like, "Ta-da! There you go." And like that was like my second trick of like I had to be there for ten minutes, and they just had no interest. For yeah, the yeah. yeah. Then you just die slow death after that, right? When you have to keep going, and it's just like, oh, that's the yeah. one know that I like learned, or not learned, but like that. And it's still you have to tell yourself, but like especially when you're doing like a full show, that like if something doesn't go perfectly, I mean, chances are they probably they don't really know what's going on. But it's super important for like the performer not to get hung up on something when you have another forty minutes to go, you know. Cause that can derail your whole thing. I remember like young like, or being young like, when I was a kid and like something would happen early on and then I would just be out of it for the rest of it. I'd be like mad. And then after the show, I'd be like, Oh, I didn't focus on the rest of the show. Cause I was, you know, so yeah. Yeah. yeah that's true. Uh, a horror story for me, uh, I'll give you a quick one was I, I, I like I was saying, an escape artist. So I was doing a straight jacket escape and my thumb got caught in one of the belt loops as I was coming around and my thumb popped out and oh. I was disappointed. Yeah, yeah, it was it was dislocated. I didn't know it was dislocated at the time, but it was. And it was flapping around inside the jacket so I could feel it. And I was like, oh, that's not good. So I kept escaping and getting out of it or whatever. It was in a it was in a shopping center for like a charity event. Yeah. And I got out of it or whatever. And then once I was out, everyone was like, Oh my god, it's amazing. And what do people want to do when you've just succeeded? They want to shake your hand. Yeah. yeah. So I had to shake everyone's hand with a dislocated thumb. Uh, and she, you know, it's like this kind of two-handed shaking kind of stuff. And then yeah. I literally turned around and I was in bits, and the promoter was like, are you okay? And I was like, no, it's really, 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 really sore. And this random woman, and I still don't know who she was, she just came over with her kid. The kid looked terrified when he was looking at my hand because my thumb was like this. <laughs> and, uh, she just went to like a near, like a, a pharmaceutical or a chemist or whatever it was, and she just grabbed like a, you know, the break freeze bag that you just break yeah. and it just cools automatically. She just handed me that, and I just took it and like ran into like a, a, a kind of a side uh, fire escape kind of a thing, and it had blown up. It was, it was crazy. Did you pop it back in? Or did you have to go to the hospital? I had to go to the hospital. They pushed it back in, and then I had a few weeks of uh, physiotherapy on it and stuff for like that. Yeah, yeah. It's still sore. It still pops and all sorts of stuff. Here, I, got one. Oh, I have to. I'll find it on my phone. Sorry, I'm not being rude. I have this photo that uh, this is an injury from. So the thing I did on uh, BGT, the Jaws. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, 
this is disgusting. I, I so the very first time I ever performed it, I was like trying to be a hero and like take it up like way high, take it up as high as it goes. And then I'm like, well, we're not gonna put a mat down there. Then they know I'm gonna fall, and so we won't do that. So it was like very first time I ever performed it for the public. Like took it way up in the air and fell right down to the stage. And then this is this is my this is my ass after it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so you lowered it down after that. <laughs> but that yeah, oh yeah, we had like every mat precaution. But like I went to the doctor after that, and because uh, like and it, it was my whole leg was completely black, and I was like, got a pretty bad bruise, doctor. And he's like, show me. So I show him. He just he, the doctor literally went, oh my god, that's so <laughs> bad. And I was like, what the fuck? You can't say that. What do you mean? Is that what you want to hear from the doctor? No, the yeah. doctor should be like, that'll be fine in a week or two. That's, that's yeah, what the exactly. doctor needs to say. I had a similar experience like that was uh, me and my wife went to Italy and we were got got to the hotel early and said, you know what, we can't check in, let's go have some drinks. And we found a place that there was all the tables were full except for one in a bit long grass. So I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll sit there because it's free. And then the next day we woke up and we had the most mosquito bites I think you could possibly have oh. from the knee down like huge and then like mine kind of cleared up my wife's got infected and stuff but we'd go into pharmacies in italy not speaking any italian and they'd kind of like shove us off and then they'd look at her legs and be like oh my god uh, and so she just start handing us stuff yeah <laughs> and then my, my wife went to the doctor when we got back and he she he gave her like all the medication in the world and she was like will this clear it up and he was like hopefully like <laughs> and again his reaction when he saw her leg was like oh how, how long <laughs> your vacation did you have when we were only there for our week so <laughs> too bad but it was uh that was right at the beginning yeah it was the first day oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah it was the worst uh, it was just like uh the photos are like a horror show <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah yeah it was a uh it, it is when when medical professionals react like the way you do <laughs> you're like oh shit yeah, yeah. This is yeah. Yeah, you know, it's part and parcel of it. Sometimes, you know, if, if, if you're going to throw, you know, um, not not just like illusions, but actually like danger, uh, you know, escapes and things of like that into your act, you know, an injury and stuff, it's going to it's going to have to happen. It just has to happen. And that's the then too. And the thing that always makes me feel really bad as well as like when you are using assistance and it's like, you, I mean, not that it's like aggressive, but you are getting in tiny spaces and like, so they're, you know, they'll have a little bruise or whatever and it's not like any it's just like they usually turn up like afterwards and then they come into rehearsal the next day and like oh my god i didn't even realize i had all these bruises and it's like yeah i know sorry like these boxes and all this stuff that you're getting it out of it's like it's not graceful when you see the inside of it you know yeah of course yeah how do you the find the reason is that a difficult task what do you advertise for <laughs> uh you well i think because now we've sort of gone down the path of like they don't necessarily have to do much magic wise mm -hmm. like or 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 if they do it the trick doesn't hinge on them it's like might be a little something but it's like I, I've, I've tried to get past the the stuff where it's like hey girl comes out she gets in this box and we whatever with this box well hey she's gone and then we close it back up and hey she's back it's like nah. you know what i mean it doesn't really do it for me anymore. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so going from like a, a horror, um, Darcy, to like a really like big highlight of your of your career, other than like Britain's Got Talent or something, maybe something more kind of personal or just a kind of a, it might even be a small thing, but for you it was huge. 
Yeah. Um, so, well, after BGT, I got uh, asked to do, and it, it was cool because it was like a strictly bucket list thing, and we had to like sign stuff that it was like you can't use this for any sort of promotion. But it was uh, the Queen's 90th birthday at Windsor Castle. Well, and uh, yeah, so it was like the guy was like, "This pays nothing, but we're inviting you to do it." And uh, we can't talk about it, but I was like, well, fuck yeah, I'm going to do that, obviously. Like, and it was crazy because it was literally like, it was like, well, Windsor Castle, I guess, where they live, live. And uh, it was like in their dining room. It was like 80 people, direct members of the royal family. Like, it was like they were having their dinner, you know what I mean? I was this is nuts. So strictly just for that, it's a forever story that I'll tell my grandkids, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's that's awesome because there's stories of like Houdini and Thurston and other guys doing stuff like that, you know, like dignitary stuff. And yeah, it's amazing. I did one once for the president of Kazakhstan. I, I did one. I did too. Did when, you? Do it? <laughs> when, did you do it at um at that? Well, so I did it. He was it was a garden party for him and like five of his delegate buddies, and the military was there. And they were in the sewer, and anytime you go into another room, they searched you. I mean, the guy, he's been president for like 50 years there, hasn't he? I think so, yeah. Well, same guy then, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It, it was his son. It was his son's girlfriend's 21st, and it was in Hyde Park. It was in that hotel, uh, the, Mandarin, the Mandarin Hotel. Um, oh, in just London. Just, yeah, yeah, in London. Well, I went to, and, I went to Kazakhstan to do it. <laughs> oh, cool! They didn't fly yeah, me. To, yeah. They flew me to London, so that wasn't too bad. But um, yeah, but it was a crazy event, and like that, the security was just nuts. But the same thing: you sign this waiver, you can't really talk about what really happened. Yeah. It's it's nuts. I have a funny story about uh, about the show in Kazakhstan. So uh, it was it was very last minute, and like so, we were like, yeah, we'll do it. So I was sending the uh, the dove cage, where so the doves disappear, girl appears, and uh, it was like last minute. They were like. If you want to do this gig, you have to get on a flight like tomorrow morning. Your stuff's going to go down and I'm like, okay, great. So we make it happen. We're basically there waiting for the gear to arrive. So the gear finally gets there. The military goes through all of it, right? And I was like, this is this is my box of magic tricks. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the, um, they had this singer on before who was supposed to do three songs. And we had a translator because right? nobody spoke English. So the singer was supposed to do three songs. And the guy says, when he's, he's like, I'll tap you, I'll let you know when it's his last song. The girl can get ready. You can get ready. That's like your five-minute mark. And then he'll be on after that song. So, so do what you need to do with the birds. Get the girl set. We're like, great. So we get the girl set. Stage hand pushes it out. And we had this all worked out before. Singer's going to finish his last song. There's going to be a cage behind you there. Don't worry. Just exit. That's for the next one. Just cool. So guy finishes his song. The president and his friends are loving this guy. So the guy's like, Fuck it, I'll just do another 30 minutes. And oh, no. the poor girl is set on stage, and it's like, we can't go out and get it off because we don't know when he's going to stop. Like, So we're all just starting, like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> like, I felt so bad. Like, we laughed about it later, but she, because, wow, but it was brutal. Yeah. Um, when we had uh, David tell the story better, because uh, I know he was really into it, but Joan Myers was on talking about a, a routine that they did. Dave, do you want to tell me about that? Well, well, oh, the, the uh, yeah, they were doing the the whole show, and there was a guy who had a uh, tarantula in his mouth. I think this was on like America's Got Talent or something, and they had to get uh, Mel B to touch a snake, and she ran away. 
so she wouldn't they wouldn't come back so he might was meant to have this tarantula in his mouth for like five minutes and he uh, he ended up on stage for half an hour with a tarantula in his mouth waiting to be able to reset the shot they, they were worried at the time apparently because even the handler was like okay it's it's normally like kind of relaxed for about five minutes in your mouth but any after that you know I, I've had it in you know the, the handler was like I did it once for about 10 minutes but it started getting agitated and then they were like 30 minutes in the guy used to stand there on stage with a tarantula in his mouth I think it was meant to be a reveal or something uh i think it was meant to be like a name what what you're scared of kind of a thing yeah, yeah. um oh, wow. david Blaine, obviously you just regurgitate it and spit it up later yeah yeah you stood there on stage with it in his mouth that's crazy the stuff yeah. we do for magics <laughs> well, exactly, right? i remember uh it's only magicians that watch this right yeah yeah, yeah. okay cool, cool. Yeah. so so you know um thread like the yeah. thread, i think I remember trying to learn because I would always do bead from eye or whatever. And I remember trying to like learn that and for I could never get it to properly come out like it looked like whatever. I remember trying to do it and and the next morning I woke up and my eye was just like crusted closed. And I was like, oh God, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> like forget that. I was just jamming stuff in my eyeballs for people's acceptance. <laughs> I, I tried to learn a blockhead and I, I just can't do it without sneezing. Like the second, yeah. like I can do the whole trick, and then the second the nail comes out, I just sneeze immediately. <laughs> and uh, I, I had to get like a one of the COVID tests recently, and again, yeah. the second they did that, it was the basically blockhead. I was just <laughs> like, and sneezing starts yeah. immediately. Thanks so much. Yeah, I guess guys are gonna have to cut blockhead out of their act now. Hey, that's just how yeah. you test COVID. Everyone's yeah. got the method. Everyone knows the method now, so it's still yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have that uh, Swami Mantra book? No, I don't think so. It's insane. It's this old like sideshow book, and in it, there's this like photos of this guy, this old sideshow. I I'm, I can't remember. My friend of mine has it, but it's but he's teaching like nail like the routine where you basically looks like you take a finished nail and you put it in one eye and it comes out the other eye, and he's showing the photos of how to like set this thing, and it's just like, good God, man, who is ever gonna like oh. <laughs> that, that's one that I just literally saw on the shelf there. There's that one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There's loads of crazy stuff in that. It's just like, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And then you look for the method and like, there is no method. You just eat the thing. Or you just <laughs> eat the thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no any of that stuff. It's just yeah. like, so you just put glass in your eye. And what's the method? Yeah. You, you just do that. And that's and that's that's life. Yeah, it's nuts. Like, um... That uh, whatever that guy was, who would stab himself with the fencing swords, the radio. Yeah, yeah. that guy just like was like, ugh. And then he eventually died. He, you know, apparently, I just found out that he died because he did a sword swallowing thing and he couldn't get it out. And then he went to bed. <laughs> and he woke what? up and punctured it. It was like, dude, you can't go to. I don't know if that's right, but I was like, you can't go to bed if you have a sword. And you're a bit too relaxed at that stage. Oh, that's fucking nuts. But man, I'm really yeah. tired. I'm just gonna have a nap. I'm sure I'll get it out tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, that's crazy. No, I, I think I think some of those things, and it's one of those things as well that you don't really want to. I think you have to be a certain point in your career that you're gonna try that riskier stuff. And I think it comes out of like content. You know, you need more content for a new, yeah. and you you start to dabble in different things. And like what you, the last thing you'd want is like younger performers to try that stuff straight away because you need to have some understanding or have people around you to even consider something like that yeah 
There's a uh, there's this guy I can't, I can't remember what his name is, but there's video of him at a convention in Vegas, and he's obviously like uh, I think he's like my he's not a, you can tell he's not like a, a magician from the magic community, but he's a guy like a, a I guess a sideshow person who had learned this thing somehow or someone taught it to him, and it's the thing where it looks like he takes his finger and basically just jams it all the way into his eye socket. Yeah, and he's doing it, and you're just like, oh my god, what is this guy like? This is nuts, but he. But I mean, someone obviously must have shown him back, like some side show guy, how to do it. Cause like, but it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think just just learn a classic palm and you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And get on with it. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. I, there, is, there is so much of that though. And when you do dig into the older books, there really is no methods. It, it is just you know, just you know, um, and just just do it. Hope for the best. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's sometimes it's good when there's no method like a bed of nails where there's no method because it's actually not it's more it looks bad but it's not yeah. that bad while there's other ones where there's no method because it's just like just do it like take the pain <laughs> just stab yourself yeah. it'll be fine yeah you got it. <laughs> we at the yeah. sea of reality do not condone any people stabbing themselves with swords yeah exactly <laughs> yeah even though Darcy can put your finger in your eye don't put your finger in your fucking eye yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have you had anybody like try and do things like you've got the claw of death illusion where you, you see people doing tricks like that with the danger who you don't think are ready for it that like worry that something will go wrong uh yeah, i think the biggest thing about those things that like because when it's when it's like an effect you could technically buy like when you can get like gauze you can buy it it's like it's what it's what someone else does with it. You know what I mean? So if it's like so like what it's just like so I had a his name was Arturo Bricchetti, the he's a quick change uh, uh, artist who I'd worked with a bunch while I was I was doing the Jaws in his show and he gave me the idea to have this video behind with my life sort of flashing format, whatever. And that's what really made the routine like something more than just, oh here's a guy hanging from a contraption. Um, yeah. That's and what then, it, it really adds to it. Because I saw that in Britain's Got Talent. It was like, that's so good. And so people started taking that part of it. And I was like, that's what really was kind of like, oh, no. Like, no, that's my addition to this. Like, don't don't take that. You know what I mean? But, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard. Like, what can you do, right? It's a poignant moment. Because it's like when Houdini used to put up the time or ask people to hold their breath for a certain amount of time. Or yeah. it, it brings it back to humanity again. You know, you're not just... A guy doing a trick. You're, you're. This is your whole life, and you're putting it at exactly. risk now for their entertainment. Appreciated, kind of a thing. Totally. And then, and then, and that video. Like there was so many like layers to that, or things that I felt like it did within that routine. Because it's like, I mean, I feel like a lot of the times if I see a guy who hasn't necessarily laid the groundwork to sort of win over the audience and is trying to win over the audience by doing something dangerous, you you're not really on his side, like. Like, in theory, like, if someone's doing something dangerous, it should be at a point in the show where the audience loves you and they're rooting for you. They're like, oh, my God, I hope, please, please, do, like, don't fail. Yeah. Someone just comes out and busts out something dangerous. Part of the audience is like, well, I wonder what would happen if this goes yeah. wrong, you know? <laughs> so, like, that's, what, that's what we talked about. Uh, Jonathan Goodwin brought that up where he was like, people want to yeah. see it go wrong. That's where mm -hmm. he does more stuff now where he's on fire already and tries to, like, put himself out rather than, like, because yeah. people like, be curious to see what it is that I can fire, but yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, sure. Like with the Britain's Got Talent and stuff, by the time you're in the finale doing that, people knew you and did care about you. That they weren't like, like if you did that in your audition, a lot of people would be like, 
cool actually if that well, I want to hear those thoughts could do. <laughs> it's funny you say that because after the uh bird act, they were like, Hey, what are you gonna do in the next round? And I was like, I'll do the Dupolta chair. And they were and the plan was I was like, if this goes all well, here's my sequence of routines. I'll do the doves, the cold chair, jaws. And then so the doves went really well. And then they were like, we think you should do the jaws next. Cause guaranteed, like not guaranteed, they're like, for sure that they'll vote you through the finals. And I was like, yeah, man, how are you gonna follow that up? Like yeah. you're gonna ruin your life midway through your own show and then be like, all right, for my next trick, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, no, I think I have to risk it with this and then, and then close with the like threatening thing and so yeah yeah i think it's 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 like a, a plot twist in a movie too if you're watching a movie even like a horror movie let's say or a kind of a slasher movie or something and you don't really have any connection to any of the characters yet if something happens from early on you're just like oh we didn't even know who that was exactly. but if you if it's a little bit of a hook you're going to be drawn in and and care and, and i yeah. suppose that's really what you're doing and and that's what every magician tries to do is make the audience care about something that technically they shouldn't really care about exactly and make it look Normal. <laughs> You're yeah. Yeah. And it's normal. <laughs> and not put your finger in your eye. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it is like about 20 minutes into a movie that when there's a scene where they're like torturing the lead character and you're like, oh my God, is he going to die? And you're like, no, it's 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, even though uh, it's that really shows people then when they watch like a movie like Psycho, it's like, yup. Yeah. <laughs> Kill yeah, off the lead character, carry on the movie. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes down to though. I think that that kind of showmanship and that kind of you know, and that kind of old-fashioned showmanship of like like the Houdini and the Thurston and Keller mm. and that kind of stuff, where you you really drawing people in with something that they can't do but they can really appreciate. And you have a great quote from Simon Cowell saying that you're the ultimate showman. And I mean that that's exactly what you want because it's not like you're the best magician I've ever seen. It it seems more directed towards your actual performance. Yeah, and and that's exactly what I was sort of and, and I have like an internal kind of like. Uh, I guess battle sometimes like if I'm doing a show where it's like, sometimes it's like, I should say it's an internal battle, but it's trying to figure out like, what, like, is it, are they like, what is it that they're reacting to sort of individually? Like, is it, is it, is it that we've created the right vibe and they're having fun? Is it that the, is it that the magic is mind blowing or do we just get that reaction because it's like, you just pull out a bird and people like animals. So it's like, it's trying to figure that I always have, have that uh, dialogue going on in my own head where it's like, is it what are they reacting to right now? Are they reacting to the person? Are they reacting to the magic? Or are they reacting to whatever? And it's like, and it's making sure that the show is even in all of those things. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, if you go to a show and say, like, "Oh, love the guy," but I figured out how he did everything, or he flashed on whatever. It's like you know. So it's making yeah. sure the whole thing is kind of cohesive, and it's like the everything is as strong as everything else in it, but it all has its sort of place, you know. Yeah, I mean, it has had ups and downs and peaks. And comedians think it th th that way too. I'm friends with a lot of comedians and, and work that circuit a bit in Ireland. And like, it's like more thing, are they are they laughing at you or are they laughing with you? And, exactly. and, and you need to know the difference. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other thing too. And, you know, that's why I find, you know, a lot of people, well, especially with what's happening in the world and everything. But, you know, you can buy a trick and you can do it on Instagram and people are like, oh my God, that's crazy. But that's not necessarily the full scope of what can be done like with our craft. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And I think it's when you put the, the thought and the effort and the, the nuance into the whole thing, you know, it, it becomes this like polished thing that like you can't necessarily describe like how it got to where it got, but you've worked it, you know what I mean? And you understand the place of everything within the routine, which all facilitates the trick. So it's kind of like, there's a, there's, 
I don't know. I'm sure you guys probably the same way. You come up with something, you do something, and it, and it crushes one night, or maybe one night it's a little bit half response. You literally sit there and dissect, like, why was it like that one night? And that, like, we get so close to our material, it's like, you know, we could explain it from a perspective that a normal person would be like, what? You think about it this much? Like, you know? <laughs> I, I think Justin Willman's video is great about that when he's like the girlfriend's trying to break up with him and he's showing yeah. her uh, a trick where he produces the coin. And he's like, I got this flash paper delivered here and printed with the, the company's logo the day before. You're like, yeah, that's kind of like how our minds work. Yeah, exactly. That's the lens you go to sometimes. I mean, it is funny, though, the way people don't really realize the amount that goes into something that seems either like an impromptu quick piece of magic or something else. And and the fact that we really dive into, you know, how detailed it can really be is kind yeah. of crazy. Like if you actually think about the, the way we plan stuff, it's, it, it is pretty nuts. Exactly. And, and uh, I think it was Teller who had a quote or something where it was just like, magic is really just something that one guy's decided to think about way more than anybody else. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'll yeah, we you care more than they do. <laughs> like, you just you think about like a bit or a trick over until you just have all these ideas and you somehow turn it into a real thing. And it's literally because we just sat there and thought about it. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the thing with the, as you're saying, with the video behind you during the Jaws of Death routine, that like that does take it. Anybody can go do that trick, but yeah. it was having the idea to have that video behind because that also increases the people's emotional connection and that to you so that it is, it takes it as a level above. And I think mm. there's other tricks like that that people do that, like, sure, anybody can do an equivocate or a magician's choice. Anybody can do a double lift, but it's what you actually do with that to make it that people care is what matters. Exactly. And I feel like I, I like for a long time too, like when I was like trying to, you know, make a run out or, or, or work or say, it's like, yeah, you, you have to, I feel like you have to almost like become a certain age or level of maturity before you actually even really have something to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember I'd be like, oh, no, I want this to be more than just this trick. But it's like, well, I don't know anything. I'm like 19. Like, what do I have to say? Nothing, really. Yeah. So you sort of find your voice, I feel like, the more you do it. And, and as sort of, you know, you experience I think, I think we all, I think if you if you go to a magic convention uh, and you watch the, all the magicians and you go from, like, the teenage guy to the old guy, you've been them all. Yeah, <laughs> you've yeah. been yeah. them all. At some yeah. point, you've been... The guy yeah. covered with you know, cards on his T-shirts and, and whatever else. I know I want a hat, but that's not the point. And, uh, <laughs> I, I had the card tie. I had that when I was like... You jump all up along all those all those rankings. And then someday we'll all be old dudes with like goatees and for their, uh, you know, <laughs> hats and everything else. Is gonna yeah, be we'll, we'll be the ones telling the stories of like, in our day. <laughs> <laughs> There's this thing called TikTok where you did tricks for five seconds and you got yeah. appreciation for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, I, I, the way fashion and stuff changes, like the old people are like, oh, why are you wearing skinny ripped jeans? You should be wearing a tuxedo. And then when we're, it could have all have changed. Now we'll be the old guys being like, why are you wearing jeans that aren't ripped? Those are too yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How come you don't have any tattoos? Come on, you're not a magician without tattoos. You can't have yeah. tattoos on your arms. That's probably something as well with Britain's Got Talent. That mean that your your dress wasn't your traditional kind of look for a dub act, you know. And I think I think that would have taken the kind of British uh, audience by by kind of shock, you know, a little bit of shock value. Yeah, and and that was sort of like a and, and like looking back on it too. Even now, it's like that sort of kind of I like to think of that as like my sort of like mantra now, where it's like 
just just put your spin on on an old on old classics. You know what I mean? And that sort of was like a more peaceful way, I think, for me to approach like creating stuff. So it'd be like, oh, I have to come up with the next like uh, whatever. And it's like, no, actually, the thing that was the most successful for me was a classic of magic that I just put my own sort of touch on. So it's like that sort of like brings me peace of mind. When it, you know, like sometimes you get hired to do something and there's a time limit on it and it's like, oh, the show's in two weeks and I have to create a routine or whatever. And then when you, when you put like a, like a, like a end date on creativity, it obviously never ends up being as good as it could if you just had free reign to develop it. Yeah. Yeah. So I always just sort of try to look at it as like, okay, well let's go, go through the old books and just, you know, take inspiration from there because it's a starting point as instead of just being like overwhelmed with, I have to do a routine about whatever it's, you know, you go through the old book and, and rejuvenate those. Yeah. I, I think we, we, Michael Amara said that as well, that if you actually have something that's a skill based thing or something that you have in your life, that if you like music or if you like whatever, mm -hmm. and if you incorporate a bit of who you really are into your magic, your magic is always going to be way more stronger because it's really who you are. So, yeah. you know, if you have a certain look that is your day to day look, and if it's, if it is torn jeans and a leather jacket, or if it is that a certain thing you wear, if you if you disjoint that and take that out of your act, well then it's not really who you are. Yeah, and that's the thing that the an audience can subconsciously they're so aware of without knowing is authenticity. It's like that's why it's like if you're watching a bad actor, you just can feel it, and if you're watching someone like fake their way through something, you can tell, even though you might not be able to explain what it is. Like it's a feeling, you know. The Uncanny Valley where they do like the CGI faces and stuff still in movies where you're like that looks like a person, but there's something wrong. <laughs> They're yeah, moving yeah. or something. We, yeah. we can tell it like just in your head right away. You have totally. to give the audience more credit too. They can they really can see that kind of stuff. They really can. I think I think a lot of like magicians think, oh, they won't figure out how they do it. But I mean, nine times out of ten, if you went and you asked them, they'd probably come up with a better, better uh, method or a different concept for you or like you said you know somebody that that isn't a magician uh the other the, the artist you were talking about he was talking about putting a personal touch into it because he wasn't thinking of it like a magician a magician would be like maybe it needs more fire maybe you know, <laughs> exactly. you know maybe you should blow up at the end you know yeah, so exactly. we think differently so it's nice to to have that kind of people around you that would be kind of honest with you yeah, for sure and i think that's uh that's a that's an important part too is like you know having uh you know like friends with like, I always feel like it's good to have sort of one foot in the community and one foot, like, outside of the community in terms of, like, your circle of friends. Because your yeah. friends that are magicians keep you grounded to real life, you know? And then, like, the way magicians think, it's, like, it's easy to get, like, go on, like, a rampage of, like, you come up with an idea, and if you're around other magicians, like, oh, yeah, do this, 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 this. And then it's, like, it sounds like a great idea in a room of magicians, but it's, like, it would, you know what I mean? You need, you need yeah. real people's opinions as well outside of magicians. Yeah, well, that's yeah. that's going to be the audience that you're going to be showing it to. You're going to be showing it to real people. Like I never had a, a massive interest in performing. You you know you go to do a convention and you get asked yeah. because you're there or whatever. You're going to ask to be part of the billing or whatever, and you're like, yeah, hundred percent. But they're not going to enjoy it, and you're not going to enjoy it as much as if you were doing it for a paying audience because exactly. they it's a complete. You know, they're it's not that they're looking to tear it apart, but they're going, well, I would have done it this way, but you're kind exactly. of like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I haven't gone to a convention in forever specifically for that. I just I, I just wish it was more, I, I mean I haven't gone in forever and but it was just you know it's amazing when you have a good camaraderie with a group of magicians. But then it just almost sucks when it's like magicians are just like, hey, we're not in competition with each other. Like let's we're in this together, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I've had bad experiences at conventions where I was just like, what's why? Why I'm not 
come, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm here to enjoy the art and the craft and be around other people who love it, not to be like, I would have done this and you, and you should have worn this, you know? Yeah, I, I think I think real working professionals don't really have that, and I think it's the semi-professional and amateurs that have that yeah. real you know, hatred of each other or whatever. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We've we've seen it on every level, you know, over the years, and everyone has. But I think I think any professionals that we've talked to, you know, and and, and ourselves, when when you're kind of outside of that, you just kind of can dip in and dip out, and it's yeah. it's a nice place to be. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's the thing we talk about as well as the people who think about it more. Because you see, like, even when David Blaine first blew up, everyone was like, he's doing the same tricks. I'm, yeah, I can do all of that. Yeah. I'm doing, how come he's on TV and I'm not on TV? People don't realize all the little nuances that he has that you don't have and stuff like that because he is thinking about it more. So even though it's the same trick to the spectator, it's way more impactful. And that's, yeah, that's like you're saying you tweak the words and people don't care. And then you tweak them back and you're like, yeah, my reaction. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things too. You know, if the audience already have a built, you've built a rapport with the audience, and they care, like you said, it kind of after that, you know that the effect is going to work. It's a good solid piece of classic magic or, or whatever. They don't really mind. You know, they're going to be more forgiving if they already like you and they already and, like the person. You know, and it's funny actually. So uh, when I did Britain's Got Talent, uh, and then everything. So and then after that, we did uh, a UK tour. And in my head, I was like, this has to be the big, like, I have to be this, and we got to turn it around, and just, like, going ballistic. And then uh, I can't remember who, oh, I was talking to, to, to Dynamo. Dynamo was like, man, like, honestly, like, if you've got them as fans, like, you don't, you just do whatever, you, like, they're your fans, they're there to see you, you know? You don't have to throw. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, you don't throw, like, a, a million dollars at a show, or, like, don't, don't blow your budget, don't just, they're there to see you, you've got them already, you know? Just give them a yeah. fun kind of thing, and it was like, it took me a while to sort of realize that, like, you know, I don't need to spend this much money on this. They're not, they don't like me because of that illusion. You know what I mean? It's the same for any magician. It's not yeah. because you have that thing. That's what made, it's, it's what you put into it. It's you. It's your essence, you know? That just facilitates yeah. you, you know? I think it's yeah. a, good, a good thing, like you were saying in your horror story, when they asked you to stay and hang out with them. I think that's mm -hmm. the sort of thing that uh, I, I've mentioned before as well, is that if after the show... They want to hang out with you and talk about you and like success. If they want to hang out and be like, so there was this trick you did, and then yeah. I'm like, oh, so the, the the trick is what you care about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just the guy who does it. Yeah, but it's crazy business for it, isn't it? It's like it's weird that like, you know, I never thought that you know the things that I like spend my time thinking about. Like, I don't know, it's crazy. It's because you get so deep into like the the everything involved in the psychology, the writing, the rehearsing, the performing, the business, like what seems like just magic tricks to people is like this realm of everything that's like so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's performers that really care though about the performance that they're gonna put on puts in that, you know, that, that level of thinking. Because the majority mm -hmm. you know, yourself is just like, I'll do a trick and that'll be that. Or yeah. I do, do a few tricks at an event and that's it. But I think yeah. it's when you start digging deep and um, I know from some of my own escapes and things like I, I've taken challenges and I've kind of, I'm kind of tagged as Ireland's Houdini or whatever. So it's, it's all, it's all that kind of thing. It's all like thinking way outside the box. And you're like, why are we doing it this way? Can we not do it this way? And, and really kind of stretching what you can do and the limitations. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I think the different thing is you're not a magician, you're an artist. So I think that's, the, that's a huge, you know, like, mu like musicians are artists. They can be an artist in that sense. If it's so, it's so much you and so yeah. much your own persona. 
if you become an artist, not really just a performer or a magician anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Yeah, and I think it's like you know, people. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And it's funny when people are like, oh, man, it's an art form, but, the, but they're doing you know, instant tricks. And it's like, well, no, you're not, you gotta make it an art form. Like, you know, yeah. you can't just do the trick and be like, that's art. It's like what you do with that. How do you make them feel? You know. Yeah, it's yeah. like cover band magic versus original magic. Exactly, and I, yeah. I think like as we talk about overthinking stuff as magicians, I think the perfect example of that is how many different variations there are on the double lift. It's like, yeah. it's like yeah. how how do how have we come up with like twenty different ways to turn just, over yeah, a card? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we're we're coming up uh going through. Oh, there's five people watching. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> so well, before fun. But before we fully wrap up and go on, do you want to ask the question that we have for giving away the ticket again, the name of the book that people have to oh, write yeah. down the author for? Who wrote Technique and Understanding? Who wrote Technique and Understanding? So if you write down the, the author of that book in the comments, before, by on Wednesday, we'll pick out someone who got it right to win a free ticket to Darcy's show that's happening. And what date is the show? December nineteenth. So uh, we're doing we're doing a UK stream and a North America stream on, on the same day. So it's two different ones, but um, should be good. Illusion show. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, make sure as well to go over to darcyoak.com forward slash virtual to get tickets as well if you want to go see the show. Definitely be. I'm sure it'll be a great show. And follow Darcy on all the social medias. Do you have anything else you want to promote? Well. We have uh, people. That's about everything. This is fun. This is a good podcast. It's very enjoyable. It's a good chat. Just talking magic. It's nice. Usually, you probably hopped into non-magic related podcasts and it ends up being like an hour and a half interview that would normally, like, how'd you get started? Do you have a favorite trick? Oh, it's just like, oh God, I wish this was an hour chat with actual magicians, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can actually go into stuff rather than just being like, yeah, yeah, yeah magic's fun. If you're getting interviewed by a journalist that might have done a bit of magic and at one time, they're like, well, there was a trick I used to do years ago with this like, plastic thumb thing, and you're like, oh, I never used one. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Thanks so much for, for being on the show. Oh, hey, thanks for having me. Let's, uh, let's stay in touch. And um, yes, yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you, guys. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. And again, if you want to follow Darcy Oak on social media, Darcy Oak everywhere. I'm at David Peace Magic and just David Peace. Uh, it's Steve Spade. Steve Spade yeah, Magic. Steve Spade, Magic Steve Spade online all over. And Arden Zudini if you're into escapes. And next week, we have Daniel Garcia. So that's going to be a fun one. Yeah, definitely. That should be another interesting podcast. And we'll have two more then before Christmas after Daniel Garcia. So right the way through till the end so again yeah, thanks everyone for watching yeah <laughs> busy, busy time good luck with the show man thanks again thank yeah, you guys